You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to another episode of Locked On Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. For those of you who don't already know, I am your new host, Brandon Olson. You can find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. I am also the founder of Whole9Sports.com, where you can find all of my written work. Today, we'll recap this most recent Gators softball series against the Georgia Bulldogs. We'll review the first half of the Florida Gators baseball season and some key players so far. And we'll finish off by talking about where the love has gone for Kyle Trask. Before we get started, though, this is just a quick reminder to follow Locked On Gators wherever you listen to podcasts so that you never miss an episode. As promised... First off, we're going to recap this most recent Gators softball series versus Georgia. But before I get into it, before I really get into the nitty gritty of this, if there's one thing you take away from this, I want it to be Charla Eccles is an absolute monster. In the series, Eccles went three for seven with three home runs, eight RBIs, and she drew four walks in this three-game series. The Gators unfortunately lost in the first game of the series on Friday by a score of 4-2, as Elizabeth Hightower had one of her most difficult outings of the season, where she allowed four earned runs in 4.2 innings pitched. Hightower's record now falls to 12-2, so she still got a fantastic record. This one just happened to get away from her a little bit. Four earned runs is also the most earned runs that she's allowed in a single game this entire season. Offensively, Bailey Goddard accounted for both of the Gators' runs with a two-run home run in the top of the second inning. But, I mean, besides not scoring another run for the remainder of that game, the Gators didn't get another hit for the remainder of the first game. So to say that their offense was lackluster would be a bit of an understatement during the second game of the series however it was a completely different story the gators offense had no problem driving in any runs the second game finished with a score of 17 to 1 at the end of the fifth inning when the run rule was put into effect and the game is called Cheyenne Lindsay and Charla Eccles both drove in five runs each and route to an absolutely dominant win over the number 20 ranked rival dogs. Natalie Lugo pitched a complete game three hitter and she added four strikeouts on just 65 pitches. Of course, I know there are people who are like, hey, it's not really a complete game because the game got called early, but... She pitched the first pitch, she pitched the last pitch, she pitched the complete game. I don't care if it was called early. I mean, if, if they wanted to keep it going, I'm sure the Gators would have had 
absolutely no problem just racking up their stats. But, of course, there's a run rule here. Of course, following splitting the first games, there's a tiebreaker. I mean, there would have been three games anyway, but it's more fun to lose one win one and then have a tiebreaker, if you ask me. But during the tiebreaker, it was once again all Gators all the time. The Gators jumped out to an early 3-0 lead in the first inning, and they never looked back. The Gators won by the final score of 8-1, and I know yesterday I went off on a small little side bit about Ole Miss right fielder slash quarterback John Reese Plumley. Today, I'm going to go off a little bit on a side bit about Georgia's pitcher, Mary Wilson Avant. Last time was to talk trash about John Reese Plumley a little bit. This time, nothing but praise for Mary Wilson Avant. She pitched her second complete game of this series because she pitched a complete game in the first one and she pitched a complete game in game three. Unfortunately, in the third game, she just could not replicate her performance from game one. I don't know how you could blame her, though. When it was all said and done, Avant threw a combined 260 pitches in her two starts this series. So you have to absolutely hand it to her that she is a champ. During that third game, Charla Eccles hit two home runs and drove in three RBIs for the Gators. Hannah Adams went two for five and drove in two more RBIs for Florida. And I know that I already went through Charlotte Eccles' stats for the series, that she was three for seven, hit three home runs, had eight RBIs, and drew four walks, for those who forgot. But I wanted to take a look at two other players who shouldered the load a bit during the series. First... I'm going to talk about Avery Goals. Avery didn't play in the first game, so she was undefeated this weekend. Good for her. But in the two games that she did play, she went just two for six, so not amazing, but she drove in four RBIs, she drew a walk, and she scored three runs herself. She brought her batting average on the year up from 246 to 253. Pitcher Natalie Lugo is the third player that I'm going to mention as a true impact player in this series. I briefly mentioned Natalie Lugo before for her pitching in that 17-1 blowout. She pitched eight total innings during the series, where she allowed just a total of three hits. She had seven strikeouts, and she walked just one batter on 98 pitches. As I mentioned already, Lugo started the second game of the series, which was, of course, called early because of the run rule. Go Gators. But she also came in to close out the third game of the series, and she walked away with her third save of the year. She brought her season ERA down from 1.61 going into the series to 1.52 exiting the series. Following the series against Georgia, the Gators are now 27-4 on the year, according to the most recent polls that came out, both by ESPN and USA Today. 
Florida Gators softball team is still ranked number five nationally, hoping to work their way up at least a little bit more before the end of the season. That still gives the Gators plenty of time, by the way, as there are 20 games remaining in the softball season before the SEC tournament kicks off, where the Gators will hopefully, one, be a high seed, and two, walk away victorious with a national championship. The Gators take on South Florida tonight, twice because they are playing a doubleheader, before taking on Western Kentucky and the Canadian softball team in another doubleheader on Saturday. So that's their slate for the remainder of the week. If the Gators can manage to walk away with four victories this weekend, that's really raising the bar for the rest of the SEC. Speaking of bars, with 18 delicious flavors, including recent Built Bar Champion Coconut Brownie Chunk, Built Bar is the best protein bar on the market. Personally, I'm a cookie dough chunk or peanut butter brownie kind of guy. That's just that's just how I roll. Those I have a sweet tooth. That's how it is. If you're trying to eat clean, but you've got a sweet tooth like me, that's no longer a problem. Built Bar is your low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber solution. You can even enjoy Built Bar if you're keto. Remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off of your next order. That's LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, 1515 to get 15% off of your next order at BuiltBar.com. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts follow the locked on today podcast on the odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts before we get into this second segment i know yesterday this was expected sorry that it didn't with the panthers and jets trade i did feel like it was very urgent to talk about kyle pitts and how that affected him at all so sorry if you were looking forward to that and missed it but today we are here with the baseball midseason recap. The Florida Gators baseball team has had a bit of a disappointing season so far, at least by my expectations. This is a team that should be ranked in the top 5 or 10, but early season stumbles against Miami, Florida Atlantic, along with getting swept by South Carolina, are keeping this team out of that top 5 to 10 range. Going into the season, the expectations were the same as they are for every Florida Gators baseball team. Omaha or GTFO? While playing in the new Florida ballpark, which bothers me to this day because I get it's the name of the university, but it sounds like something that would just happen with a generic stadium in Madden or MLB. The Gators were 18-5 and at home, though so far on the season. On the road, however, the Gators are just 1-4, in where they've really struggled in the few games that they've gotten to play on the road. Of course, this means that the Gators are 19-9 on the season overall. Through their last 10 games, the Gators are 6-4, and while you would hope that that would be a little better, 
three of those losses did come to South Carolina in that sweep. That's not an excuse. That doesn't make it any better. But it's just important to note that they lost three in a row. It's not like they're just consistently losing to teams. Looking at this season recap, I wanted to take a focus on three key position players at the start of it, and then we'll talk about three key pitchers. So position players, first off, I'm going with catcher slash infielder Nathan Hickey. He has been an absolute monster this year. He's currently batting 347, which is good to lead the Gators with six home runs and 31 RBIs. He's also got a fielding percentage of 98.8%, so great, or 0.988 if you really want it in baseball terms. Hickey improved his batting average from 311 last year, and he already has two more home runs this year than he had all of last season. Granted, it's in a larger sample size. Another player who's seeing, I mean, less success this year in a larger sample size would be outfielder Jacob Young. Jacob Young doesn't match up with Nathan Hickey power-wise. However, he's batting 342 this season. He's got 11 doubles so far, two triples, and he's got eight stolen bases with only one failed attempt so far. In last night's win over Stetson, Jacob Young went two for four and drew a walk, which brought his walk total to 14 on the year, which is third on the team behind only Nathan Hickey, and outfielder Judd Fabian, who is the third impact position player on this list. Fabian is currently leading the Gators in home runs with nine on the year, while having a batting average of 236. He's struggled to get on base consistently, but when he does connect with the ball, he can send it for a ride. Fabian's also second on the team in runs behind only Jacob Young, who we just spoke about. Judd Fabian is the only player on this list that has a perfect fielding percentage. So, while he might not be the perfect batter and his batting average is worse than the other two by a pretty significant margin, he is the, I don't want to say he's the best fielder out of the three, but he's the more consistent fielder out of the three so far this season. Moving on to the pitching side, Tommy Mace has been a stud this season. Save for his game against South Carolina, Mace has a 2.54 ERA with 39 innings pitched, along with a team-leading 54 strikeouts this year. He has just 7 walks on the year and a team-leading whip of .95. Franco Aleman, who's a receiver who has one start this year, and it was this past Friday, Aleman pitched four innings before Tommy Mace came in to pitch the final five. Aleman has allowed nine runs in 14 appearances and has a whip of 1.1 to pair with his ERA of 3.57. Christian Scott is primarily a reliever and he is the third player on this list. This past weekend, Christian Scott got his first start since 2019 and he struck out seven batters in five innings. On the year, Scott has an ERA of just 1.8 flat, best on the team for pitchers with more than 10 innings pitched. He also has a whip of just 
0.96. He's allowed just five earned runs on the year in 11 appearances. Christian Scott is also yet to allow a home run this season. When he comes into the game, it's about as safe as it gets. The Gators play Florida A&M tonight, a team they've already played three times this season. They swept that series 3-0, and they outscored FAMU by 23-3. And I don't know about you, but I'm going to bet for Florida to cover every game, especially against FAMU. You know how I'm going to do that? Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, NHL, and MLB are in full swing. Bet online even covers award shows, TV shows, and reality TV. With real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine, Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Use promo code LOCKEDON to receive your 50% welcome bonus. It's April, and the Locked On NFL network of podcasts is shifting into draft mode. April 19th through the 26th, tune in to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021, featuring analysis from NFL experts Michael Irvin, Brian Baldinger, and Michael Lombardi. Stay tuned for more info about where you can find the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021, presented by Odyssey and the Lockdown Podcast Network. If you're a football fan, whether it's NFL or college, one name that you heard incessantly in the media this fall was Kyle Trask. During the season, he was one of the fastest risers when looking at the NFL draft. Since then, of course now seemingly everyone has cooled on Kyle Trask as a prospect. It's now to the point where people are expecting him to go late day two or early day three, which sounds like a stretch to me. During his pro day, Kyle Trask even said he doesn't care about what the media has to say about him. If you know his story, you know that he's been doubted and looked down upon his whole career. Stat-wise, Kyle Trask was arguably the most productive passer in all of college football this past season. He finished second in yards with 4,283, only behind Alabama's Mac Jones, and first in touchdowns with 43 touchdowns on the year. Trask also had just eight interceptions, so he clearly took care of the ball. Focusing more on his actual play and the film that everybody is judging him on, fairly, nobody is going to confuse Kyle Trask for Josh Allen or Mike Vick. He's certainly not freakishly mobile, and he doesn't have a cannon attached to his torso. We also understand that Kyle Trask, of course, was playing with three very soon-to-be NFL players in Kyle Pitts, Kadarius Toney, and Trayvon Grimes, so it's not like Kyle Trask was out here throwing to nobody and putting the team on his back. But his ability to consistently get the ball in the hands of his playmakers deserves to be praised. A lack of mobility and a lack of arm strength 
are definitely concerns for Kyle Trask. However, we've seen players that lack these things succeed plenty of times before. We're even seeing Alabama's Mac Jones, a player with a similar but not the same skill set to Kyle Trask, be projected as as high to third overall to the San Francisco 49ers, which will always remain insane to me. I know that I try to not talk too much about the draft, but that would be hilarious. Reports came out over the weekend that the New Orleans Saints could be a landing spot for Kyle Trask, who we know from his media session has met with all 32 NFL teams. Another common landing spot for Kyle Trask in mock drafts and just draft discussion in general are the Pittsburgh Steelers, who, like I mentioned last week in the Pro Day Review, Kyle Trask has met with Pittsburgh Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin. These reports, of course, led to an uproar from Saints fans that didn't want Kyle Trask, which was hilariously ironic to me. For the better part of the past 15 years, the Saints have been contenders with Drew Brees under center. Drew Brees is known for being accurate, not having a tremendously strong arm, and not being very mobile. Tom Brady just won his seventh Super Bowl with a very similar skill set. The key for these guys is, one, having weapons around them to succeed. Two, having a coach that's willing to let them check down, let them operate at the line, and just get the ball to their guys. Three, the IQ to recognize what the defense is giving them and take advantage to exploit it. Sure, it makes the team building process more difficult where your QB needs to have options, likely won't take over games, likely needs an offensive line that could protect him because he's not mobile enough to completely create plays for himself, but there is absolutely still a place for quarterbacks of this type in today's NFL. Now, I'm not saying that Kyle Trask will become any of these players, but with guys like Matt Ryan, Phillip Rivers, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Kirk Cousins, all in the NFL, all starting in the NFL and able to find at least some level of success throwing the ball, I think it's kind of unfair, I'll say, to just say Kyle Trask can't be successful. We want to take him late because he's not mobile. He doesn't have an absolute rocket for an arm. That's completely unfair, and we've seen him do enough to get the job done and lead a successful passing offense. What's even is better in the NFL is that he will likely have a legitimate running attack, which, to be frank, he didn't really have during his senior year at Florida. We'll go more in-depth on these issues and some teams that might be potential perfect fits for Kyle Trask, or ideal fits, I should say, in a few episodes. And yes, the Saints will definitely be on that list. But that does it for today's episode of Locked On Gators. Join me tomorrow to see who is Stone Forsyth as a prospect. We'll do a throwback Thursday to some Gators in the NFL draft in the past decade or so 
We'll talk about football incoming commits since there was no host here for National Signing Day this year. I feel like that's something you guys are deserved. Once again, I am Brandon Olson. You can find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. You can find all of my written work at Whole9Sports.com. That's W-H-O-L-E-N-I-N-E sports.com. Don't forget to follow Locked On Gators so that you never miss an episode. Also, be sure to check out Locked On Saints, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Listen to Ross Jackson as he talks about all things Saints. And you might want to start doing that and get familiar with a potential landing spot for Kyle Trask in just a few weeks.